0: This week, we have before us a paradox. With our film, America's Sweethearts, there can be two equal yet contradictory views. On one hand, it's a perfectly good film. It has fun performances with an A-list cast, and Billy Crystal is funny, and there's a bit with a dog, and it's funny, and it's just a good time. It's not the best rom-com, but it's inoffensive, and there's sweetness and romance, so what's not to like? On the other hand, you have a complete mess. A muddled, frantic, not funny satire that doesn't really work at all. And it's just bad farce most of the time. And what is Billy Crystal thinking with the film that he's written? And why has he done what he's done? And what are these people doing here with roles completely below them? Okay, so we kind of err on the second view a lot of the time in this review. And. If you like this movie, go for it. We kind of complain and bitch a lot during this episode, and it doesn't really reflect our actual attitude towards the film, which actually is towards the first view. It's completely inoffensive most of the times. It's a fun movie. But we like to complain. We really do. And so if you're in the Camp A, don't worry about us. We're just being pretentious. And if you're in Camp B, enjoy our skewering. It's... America's Sweethearts.
1: Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. This is Kelly McCrillis, your daytime talk show host. I'm here with my guest, Ryan Graves. How you doing? Uh hi, um I just wanted to, you know, make an
0: announcement up front that uh I've decided to change my name to Ryan's song because you know the song name has been sullied by the McCrillis name and you know I just really don't like it when people flip flop on their names and um here I am everybody, it's Ryan Song for the rest of time. Wait, the song name was sullied by the McCrillis name? Yeah, you just did it. You just called yourself Kelly McCrillis. Oh it's, did I? I'm sorry, is it Kelly McCrillis
1: or is it Kelly's song? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. This is Kelly Song. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, James Bond. You remember that part in uh, uh,
0: Casino Royale when he's supposed to use hey, oh, a Oh, he's like, I'm, I'm James Bond. And Eva Green's like, I hate you even <laughs> when you're hot like this. And he's like, I know, but aren't I a cheeky monkey? And it's like, Oh, you're a cheeky
1: monkey. So, I mean, you a just A had... lot of sexual chemistry in those in I mean, those Yeah, movies. so you just had your Bond moment. It's cool. It's fine. Are you, are you calling yourself Eva Green? Yes, she has one of the best voices. Um, she she's on the Calm app, reading like reading you to sleep if Ooh. you want. It's very nice. Um, did you ever watch uh, what was this show? Uh, Penny Dreadful. No, but
0: she plays like kind of a witch character in it. Yeah, it's very good. I would like her to um, conjure some things in me. Gross! Don't tell Sarah. Don't
1: well, gross. Sarah, conjure
0: things inside of you. Sarah can come too. It's cool. We'll have fun. What's it called? Penny Dreadful? You yeah. we'll watch it late.
1: You know, Ryan, it's funny because whenever I bring up a woman that you're attracted to, you're like, mm, you know what I would do with her?
0: <laughs> well, not not all. Oh, you, would let,
1: you would let her do to you. I'm sorry. I mean, I would. I really would. You're I mean, like, I just have no filter. My name's Ryan Graves. Maybe not all the women. So you're Ryan Graves. I am Ryan Graves, not Ryan Song. I'm not With allowed. how lascivious you are, there's no way you could be a part of my family. You're right.
0: You're right, I, I'm i sorry I want to apologize <laughs> Don't to your apologize. entire family Don't
1: apologize to Apologize to, to you, Eva Green your wife. For wanting her to magically put things inside of you <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> I'm sorry, Eva Green I respect you as an actress An actor An actor yeah. uh, And a hottie How's, how's the week been? Um, the last two nights Elowen slept pretty good So we're doing great That's great What about you? You look a little like shocked. You're like, I can't believe it. Uh, It's been too good. Robin's putting her to bed right now. So I'm like, did I just jinx my wife? Right. Knocking on wood, just hoping everything's okay. So that when I get home, I don't have a crying baby. That's Mm -hmm. like, daddy, (laughs) take care of me. Daddy, please. Uh, What about you?
0: Uh, Life's good. I had to meet with the crews that are working on this uh, town townhome that you're sitting in. There is basement remediation stuff, and for some reason, I'm the president, so I had to meet with these crew members to do it.
1: You're wait. Some reason you're a president because you? Because no one else wants to do it, and no, because you I chose
0: to. I'm. I, oh, <laughs> thanks, Sartre You're right. I didn't have to do it. I chose to
1: have to do it. Thank you, Jean Paul Sartre. You are. <laughs> You think you are the uh, the president, therefore you are the president. <laughs> um, but I had the f-
0: weirdest, like, literal upstairs-downstairs situation working with these guys, because they literally had to replace a pipe in my storage unit. Which that is in the basement. In the basement, that was the, like, septic pipe. Mm. And so they literally had a dirty job to do. Like, it was just a shit job. Was Mike Rowe there? <laughs> yeah. But it was liter- a literal shit job. And... Mm. I couldn't do it but I just felt this weird you ever have this guilt where you're just kind of like it's like when you're watching someone repair something in your house and you're just kind of sitting there helplessly and like I felt so helpless but also just kind of like I'm like, thanks for doing that, man. like I just felt like talking to a like a veteran I'm like you do things that I could never in a billion years do, and I just I don't know how to live up to
1: i I know to you and there's yes, I know exactly how you feel. I always felt weird from the other side of things like when I was a server for mm-hmm. years upon years upon years, and you were too, yeah um that you're like catering to these people who are going out on the town, spending a bunch of money, drinking, partying all night. And what are you doing? You're, you're just standing there. You're <laughs> licking boot heels. You know? You're you're like you're like desperately trying to get them their food on time. You're making small talk with like the four hundredth person that night. And when 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 you when you go out nowadays, do you kind of get like and is there any sort of like guilt <laughs> well, in the same yeah, way? Yeah, like when I'm being
0: served, like they bring me my food, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, thank, so you, sorry. thank you, thank, thank you, thank you. But I'm sorry. I'm really
1: sorry. I'm so uh, what I'm saying is, like if <laughs> if you're if you're feeling like odd about it, just go do their jobs for a while. Then that way you can be on. That's this what side I'm saying. Is I'm
0: just like I'm looking. I'm like I can't do it. Like I just can't. Well, I think that's fine. And yeah, and I, there's no words to convey my mm. gratitude. And I feel, I sound like such a bumbling idiot. I'm like, hey, thanks for like doing that like that was really nice for you doing your job were you you're flirting to with him no kinda, but like, like it felt you're, you're I, giving me this look I right now I felt very I mean I didn't I wanted to give him something so I had my eyes to like bat at him but that that's all I had with me was just like you know that that handsome cheek of mine you're you're
1: the president of the <laughs> the rotary club no what are what is the thing that you're president of the condo association condo I got no kickbacks I, I have nothing to kick back it, you can't you can't toss him a couple of extra bucks like
0: I, I didn't have any like uh, look at all the blue uh, maybe I can here. Venmo him. Like I was like, can I can, can I interest you in say, a copy of an Alfred Hitchcock can movie? I give what can, you, I do? can I give
1: you this Ratatouille? <laughs> it's very good. Uh, you know, I was going to throw out these old Pixar
0: Blu-rays, but this, I want to oh, just give them I to you. I have a solution
1: for this. Okay, while they're down working in the basement. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> hey guys, I noticed that you were hungry, so I brought you these Blu-rays. <laughs> no. No, what I think is you should bring your computer down there and color in front of them. Just do. Like, do I just a, want
0: you to know that I'm not useless.
1: Yeah, I, I'm working too here. <laughs> I'm on my computer, slaving away while you guys are chiseling, hammering, rotating nuts. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, to the boys, thank you. To the boys in gray, you, I literally. I'm just assuming they were wearing gray
0: jumpsuits. They were. Okay. I, I, I cannot <laughs> do what you do. I'm very grateful. Very grateful. Well, I love it. Anyways, let's jump into our movie. Like the boys jumped into the the septic tank.
1: Of oh, art. was it really? Art. Was it really? Was it really that? Well, we'll see. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, but they quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the
0: end. What do you mean? That's the end. That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The
1: end. Let me start off by telling a story. Yeah, okay. I saw this movie in college. It was a charming day on a charming date that I watched this movie for the first time. I was in a good mood. Um, uh, I had a different experience watching it this time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Was this your first time watching it? I remember seeing it in high school. Mm -hmm. I I remember a Blockbuster rental of some sort. Don't know how it happened, but it happened. Uh, uh, Blockbuster? Yeah, Blockbuster. Could have been Hollywood. Could have been Hollywood video. Had I had cards What at was both. your preference back in the day? Hollywood video was closer, so I always went there. But I had to go to Blockbuster because my sister had an outstanding charge at Hollywood and we all shared the same family account. And oh, okay. they were like, You owe thirty dollars. And I'm like, I don't have thirty dollars. So I had to go up the street to Blockbuster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she was
0: she had lost her copy of Kate and
1: Leopold. That's like which we found behind her bed like a year later that's like owing the library money and being like hey i'm i'm actually i'm i got another apartment in a new city so that i could use this library <laughs> <Seriously. card." laughs> yeah
0: the I, I the economy that we dealt with back then it's like you can't recreate this problem with netflix or amazon
1: no for sure they'll take the money right from you <laughs> yeah i i liked hollywood video because they would oftentimes have like days where they'd sold extra copies of movies for super right. cheap yeah. yeah i had plenty of those well yeah, so uh and and your experience this time? Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what we have here is a Billy Crystal and is it Peter Tolan written yeah. film? Um and they're famous as a writing duo for analyze this and analyze that. Yeah. Um two good movies.
0: Yeah, and let's say Billy Crystal is Hollywood royalty. So any any negative thoughts we have remember we love Billy Crystal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love Billy Crystal in this movie. Yeah. Um and I honestly don't think this is. This is also. Let's say who this is directed by this guy named Joe Roth. Joe Roth, who is very famous for producing, his six directing credits are very middling, yeah, at best. Um, this
0: is his best film,
1: yeah, in that filmography. So there you go. And this cast is star studded, glittering. Julia Roberts. Catherine Zeta-Jones Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones She dips beneath the lasers Oh She, she has, has entrapped me, me And Sean Curry, Curry. We have to use... Every time we say her name, we have to use that drop, okay? John Cusack. The Tooch. Stanley Tucci, Hank Azaria. Christopher Walken. Billy Crystal, offer mentioned. Um, Eric Balfour from that show, 24. That's right. Alan Arkin, <laughs> Seth Green, Rain Wilson. There's just a bunch of names. Yeah. And I think... I, I'm going to posit this now before we actually tell the story. I think this movie would have been a lot better given its premise and its actors if it had a different director probably (laughs) because it's not that the vision wasn't consistent to me it just lacked it it was just a little boring
0: yeah well i think there's a lot more to it so i'm gonna save those
1: thoughts a lot oh a lot more to what the problem at hand.
0: yeah okay let's let's jump into the story so, we meet America's Sweethearts, John Cusack, and Catherine Zeta-Jones.
1: Zeta she dips beneath the lasers.
0: Um, and they're America's Sweethearts. They're basically a Hepburn Tracy, a Tom Hanks Meg Ryan, um a... Chris Hemsworth, and he doesn't really have anyone. We don't really have that in well, Except days. that they're dating in real life. They're yeah, dating I mean, I mean, in real life. Hep- Tracy, they, they, Tracy they had and Hepburn had, had a thing. They but, had a thing. But, but but they're both on-screen and off-screen. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Exciting things. And we see all the movies within a movie. And here's actually my first quibble. Um, we don't have to use the drop. But, okay. but I think this movie is just going to have a lot of quibbles that kind of add up. And it's like, ah, that's the problem. It's just kind of like buckles under the weight of too Uh many quibbles because they show us all these movies within the movie and it's like, there's a courtroom romance. Uh There's a, and they're all kind of
1: funny. Yeah. I think, I think those movies are funny to watch because they, they're, but go ahead. Sorry. They play it. They play their parts kind of campy. Right. And
0: it's almost as if the director doesn't know what he's, what he quite wants to say. Are they trying to really convince us that these movies exist or are they kind of making fun of these this kind of Hollywood filmmaking that because it's it is funny because Catherine Zeta-Jones Jones <laughs> I gotta like be careful with my Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> like their first kiss is like ridiculous and it's it, yeah it, it made me chuckle so it, it definitely worked but but it didn't look like other movies no it just looked like. Saturday Night Live doing other movies. And not and even then Saturday Night Live does a better job of convincing us of their fake movie within a movie when they do stuff like that.
1: On top of that, there is the meta thing of the fact that this movie that we're watching ended up feeling kind of like these movies that were overblown. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't really acknowledge that in the postmodern way that we kind of need it to do.
1: Yeah. Or be like cuz it's better than those movies but it's not hard to be better than the movies that it's making fun of it it just should have been a lot better yeah like if you're going to if you're going to take swings at other movies in the genre you're you better be on like you better have the high ground anakin you know who did this better Julia Roberts and Notting
0: Hill. Exactly, we saw that movie within a movie, and Richard Curtis was such a genius. He's like, you know, it's like a Woody Allen movie, and he did all or, these things. Or he's like, you know,
1: it's like Solaris a little bit yeah. or something. Yeah,
0: he, like the when they're when uh, Hugh Grant and Spike are watching on the couch, yeah. and it, it's this artsy romance film. Mm-hmm. There's just all these choices, like, I can't remember even if they it was black and white or anything like that, but it, it was shot in a way that didn't look like Notting Hill. Right. And but, they don't but, do this in this movie. They're just like, ah, you know, they use the same camera. And like, Why well, no? know I'm making a filmmaker in these complaints, but they use the same camera, same film stock, same aspect ratio, all these things where they could have done so much
1: more. And they always feel like the the cop, the time police one. Where, yeah. like, he shows up and they're in, like, Nazi Germany or something. And he, he sh- like, the, the production value is so bad. Yeah. And it's like, if you're trying to say that this is a, like, super, like, campy Hollywood movie, but a super famous one, like the ones that we get between, say, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. Those are way way better produced than what you're talking about. So I don't exactly know who you're taking hits at. Right, exactly. But regardless, we we are first introduced to Billy Crystal, um, who is like on his way out at this studio, and he's the PR rep, the marketing executive. Yeah, he's
0: he is the guy to sell a film. Right, he's in charge of that, and And he's going to be replaced by Seth Green, and he's like dropping wisdom to seth green and seth green is just kind of incompetent and it, it's, it's, it's i think it's both it's, the script and the direction where it's like what are you are you trying to make a point with this character are you satirizing something are you just having a kind of incompetent you know, character it's kind
1: of like those characters from argo also with alan arkin yeah um where you had you know Alan Arkin and John Goodman—they're—they're they're like playing these Hollywood guys that are just like, you know, you gotta know everything about Hollywood if you're gonna be in Hollywood, kit. right? And it's like, like yeah, Seth Green's kind of a, a a a doof, and he needs to like learn the job a little bit better. Uh, and he, at one point in time, Billy Crystal makes fun of him for for not ho- knowing Breakfast at Tiffany's, yeah. Um, but it's like. I mean, it's it's half funny. It's half funny, and it doesn't go all in the way a
0: movie like The Birdcage goes all in on right, something. Right. And they would never have made this mistake in The Birdcage because when when it's The Birdcage, they pick a character and they go one hundred percent. But with like Seth Green's character, it's like I don't know what you're trying. Are you again? I don't really yeah. know what you're going for. If it's well, just he wasn't a really joke. too much of a character. No. Is the thing. No. But and but it's Billy it is kind is. of yeah, and it's kind of an ensemble-driven piece. With everything going on, right, with with what happens, because so he's being fired and being replaced by Seth Green, who's halfway in.
1: But before he can leave, the Tooch shows up, the toot. and he he calls Billy Crystal into his screening room, where we find out that. Hal Weidman, who's played by Christopher Walken, hasn't sent them the end of the film that they're waiting for. Or the for. whole
0: of the film, the, the yeah, cut of the film. Any
1: of it. And all he's sent is the credits. And so Stanley Tucci's freaking out because he spent $86 million on this movie. And so he begs Billy Crystal. He's like, since I don't have the movie, I can't promote it. I need you to like run a press junket. That basically fakes that we have the movie. Or you basically need to stall the press, and then
0: that'll convince Hal Weidman to to deliver the final cut because then then we can meet his demands or something. Right. And ladies and gentlemen, that is so not how it works. No, so <laughs> that is I, so not how it works. Like the
1: idea that that a huge room of the press is like waiting for you to release a movie. Oh, not even that. Like, like the I, fact that the director has all of the footage. No. No, That's not how it works. <laughs> I mean, they, they try to set him up as like this David Lynchian, Werner Herzogian, yeah. like kind of eccentric director. And I could see that happening, but that's against like their contracts yeah, and for them just, to like hold the footage.
0: Again, it's like, all right, what are you satirizing? Cause you still need to have some foot in reality. And that's what like Birdcage, I think is my go-to like f- perfect satire because it's like those all those characters in their circumstances live in real world circumstances right. even though their characters are beyond beyond the pale what, wait what are they satirizing in in like the birdcage y- like are you well, talking about- we've we figured out that it's farce yeah but it's but it's also satirizing like the political culture of its day sure okay yeah i see and this saying. is satirizing hollywood culture
1: yeah yeah for sure and, yeah but
0: but you gotta you gotta have a foot in reality if you're gonna do that
1: yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. This, like, I think if this was handled by our friends from uh, uh, last week in Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't have as much of a problem with it.
0: No, because I don't think it would have tried. Because I don't think they would to often, be making any point. Like, <laughs> sure. Okay, that might be true. That's that's but, my thing. It's like it 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 whiffs of satire. I'm like, but you're not doing satire. You're sure. trying to be satire, but you're not actually putting in the work to. do do sure. it well. Let's let's try to get through the story without <laughs> kicking the movie too hard. Well, yeah, and I just, I think conceptually it's important that we get the concept across because I think the story, there isn't much to the story.
1: No, but I like the... I like the problem that is set up here. Yeah. Which, which here's here's the uh, initial- You kind of have to go, okay. <laughs> sure. But the initial problem, besides the fact that they don't have the movie, is that Catherine Zeta-Jones- She dives beneath the lasers- And John Cusack haven't or have broken up Mm -hmm. and they haven't been together for a long time. She has a restraining order against him because the whole thing is she cheated on him with Hank Azaria, Mm -hmm. who is like another actor. Also in in the birdcage. Also (laughs) in the birdcage. and Playing an eccentric Spanish character. (laughs) Yeah. And um, John Cusack at one point in time, like saw them together at the... Like place that they used to go eat, and drove his motorcycle through a window in a fit of mania, mm-hmm. and so, like, you have these people together, but you you need to drum up press for this movie, and the only way to do that is with these actors, and that holds together. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna drum up press for the movie, you need the people working on it to be there, and since they don't have Hal Weidman, they have to have them. Yeah, and so Billy Crystal has to get them together. He relies
0: on Julia Roberts, the sister of Catherine. Zeta Jones, which I don't see the resemblance, but okay. <laughs> sure, I can buy it. It's fine with me. and Julie Roberts is lovely and this role is so beneath her.
1: yeah, I but I I like her playing the put upon character because she mm-hmm. she so rarely plays the role of a servant. yeah, and she plays it really well.
0: yeah, she is. That's the thing, is that I say this role is beneath her because she shines so brightly in this movie. It's like you are so good in yeah. this movie, and this character doesn't have much going for her. Uh, yeah. compared to your other more interesting lead roles, like, and it becomes a lead role in the end. But there is there is some
1: potential for her character though yeah. in this movie because she's she, like basically she takes care of Catherine Zeta Jones's every need and whim, and there's like there's this weird scene where like I, I like billy crystal going there trying to convince her um but then we also see like this window washer get eaten <laughs> and like the tone of that like by the dog yeah. who, who is there and the tone of that is so weird yeah. because it's like it it feels like it's out of a like an adam mckay movie right but but like if that was actually happening in the real world that would be so bonkers that yeah. this dog was attacking this yeah. man. This movie, I've never seen anything like this,
0: uh, so it's weird that I'm comparing it. But it felt like a Dean Martin movie, where there's just kind of like hijinks, huh? and they're just kind of like, "Hey, let's have a drink, baby," and just like you know, like how the Rat Pack just kind of had this free willing, like making jokes, doing sure. little gags, making little sketches. Like, it, sure, it's n- there's nothing consistent. It's just kind of like these celebrities kind of having fun up there and then who cares if it doesn't really make sense. Cause like that
1: it's having seen those movies. They're very different than this, but I I kind of see what you're saying. I'm just kind
0: of like, there's nothing necessarily consistent in what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is a little lack of consistency here. Um, but like Billy Crystal, like throughout this, he's, he's writing himself these situations that are weird, but he's acting the shit out of them. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of weird to see. Yeah. (laughs) But like, the dog ends up there's. It's this weird scene where the dog ends up like coming back and like licking his nuts, licking his nuts. And if you've ever had a dog do that, it's very awkward, and you're like, "Please stop." But that was, that was a good bit. That yeah. was funny. The other good bit from this scene is that Hank Azaria calls a junket a hunket, <laughs> and <laughs> and like Robin and I couldn't stop laughing at that. Yeah. So it's a good good choice. Yeah. Then John Cusack has been at this um guru. Retreat in what seems to be L.A., maybe. Yeah. But the then we <laughs> then we meet his guru, played by Alan Arkin, who puts on, like, an Indian accent and has, like, long hair. And I, cu- I couldn't tell whether he was just super tan or they actually bronzed him up a little bit. I think they bronzed him. And it's, like, it's not a good look, 2001. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Alan
0: Arkin's just having fun. And... <laughs> There's a lot of this movie that's just, it felt like the producer's like, come on, have fun with us. Yeah. And it was just kind of like that Adam Sandler, like, let's just go on vacation and shoot a movie while we're there. Yeah. Feeling. And Alan Arkin's just like, so I can just play this goofy character. It's like, yeah, sure. It could be a little racist, though. That's the thing. It doesn't really feel thought out. It just kind
1: of is like, eh. Let's just do this. Uh, but I, I couldn't quite tell, but then I I did this deep dive because I wanted to see if anybody had written about this. Nobody's commented on this on the internet. so either this movie's forgotten or it's not actually that bad. but Alan Arkin had this weird relationship with this guru back in 1969, who he wrote an entire book about. Wow. and so and and it was it like changed his life. So I'm assuming Alan Arkin came to set because Billy Crystal wanted him to, yeah. to play this role and, like, was drawing upon this person whose, I think his name was John Baptiste, huh. who, and so I'm like, maybe he is doing this thing where he's emulating a real person that did this. Right. But... I was, I was so expecting when he, like, he finally convinces John Cusack to, like, you know, you're cured. You can leave this place. Yeah. And when they were driving away, I was expecting him to drop it as Me if it was, too. like, this That's, giant that, that would have been so that, much funnier. And it would have been funnier. It would have saved this m- movie from, like, the tarnish of having somebody in bronze face and not knowing that it was not a good thing yeah because the the cultural read i got was just he was mystical and i yeah. couldn't like place whatever he was, was like, happening culturally so i was like uh, i don't know yeah like, he's just being weird so anyway so like they're all off to the junket the yeah. hunket the hunket out and <laughs> was it in nevada or like yeah there and this movie paid for itself and all of its actors by like dropping the hyatt it's at the hyatt or and... i edited it with my mac there's <laughs> It's it's the most verbally product placemented movie that I've ever seen. Yeah, because usually you'll see like them holding a Pepsi or something like that. But no, no, we're not seeing Sears or Target in the background. We're just mentioning names. I I imagine like uh,
0: there's a joke where it's like oh no one gets murdered at the Hyatt and like yeah. his his like but um is. They, they get murdered at some other hotel chain. And I just know that the original line was something else, yeah. like the roadway or like some other cheap, like the Motel 6 or something like that. And I have to imagine that the studio is like... Mm, I- Actually, I'm an investor. I'm on the board for Motel 6, so well, why I, don't why don't you say, like,
1: just just any other hotel? I think the joke is still just as funny. I think, that in my head canon, it's not that. It's way more devious. What they did is they said Motel 6, and then they went to Motel 6, and they're like, we could do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> and no, then, you if you pay us money, though, we won't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, there, there felt like corporate synergy and also punches pulled.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I get it. They, like, here, okay. Never mind. This movie only costs $46 million. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Which is relatively cheap for the people they had in this movie. Like, Julia Roberts, at this time, was making near $20 million for a role. Yeah, and did you notice
0: that after this, all of these people stopped making rom-coms? Like, this was their last rom-com, and Julia Roberts has only made like glistening reappearances in movies like Larry Crown. Larry Crown. And, yeah. But nothing nothing on the scale of Notting Hill. And John Cusack started making horror films after this and has made nothing of interest since. Sorry, John Cusack. Love identity. Great film, great picture, but I haven't seen a fun like high fidelity like role. And Catherine Zeta-Jones made intolerable, intolerable cruelty in other films, but this was kind an of entrapment. An entrapment. <laughs> but this was kind of the end of the '90s rom com, and I feel like this kind of was part of its death knell. And we this kind of took us into the Catherine Heigl level of rom coms, which know was.
1: 10 times cheaper than these movies. You know what feels what this feels like is bloat. This feels mm-hmm. like 1960s bloat mm-hmm. changing the studio system and it feels like rom-com bloat that if it would have worked it would have like started off a whole new slew of movies. Yeah. But since it didn't, I think you're right. I think we have echoes of Of these really expensive movies no longer being made, even though this movie was a success. Yeah. This movie doubled its profits, not even just worldwide, but just in the U.S. and Canada alone. Yeah. But nonetheless,
0: they stopped making movies on on this level. They stopped making Julia Roberts rom-coms, stopped making John Cusack rom-coms. They still
1: made a couple Sandy rom-coms after this, though.
0: Yeah, there was Two Weeks Notice. Two Weeks Notice. But then she made all about The Proposal. Little proposal, but, like, all about Steve nearly tanked everything for her. And the proposal was, like, the last one. Then it was off to dramas and all that. But but this was, like, Sarah was like, this is a very 90s rom-com. I'm like, this was made in, like, 2003. But, look, we have the Tooch who appears
1: years later in multiple rom-coms but just not as a lead the character Twitch is never like this in other films like he yeah. he
0: is this kind of weird villainous like movie movie executive yeah
1: he's a movie executive that doesn't mind people killing themselves <laughs> and that's where it gets like really satirical where it's like that's right movie executives will do anything to get a movie made yeah and i'm just like
0: pick a speed guys yeah. like you're satire for one second and then you're just kind of like a straight rom-com and i'm fine with whatever you want to pick but just like pick something and
1: stick with it. Sure. Yeah. I kind of felt that too. Uh,
0: so the story is Catherine Zeta Jones sister, Julia Roberts, um, used to be fat. Okay. <laughs> Just like she, whatever. She used to we be to like, they,
1: they dressed Julia Roberts in like uh, kind of a chunky suit, but she still looks like, She looks amazing in that. She looks amazing as Julia Roberts. Yeah. And they they do this thing where she's always had a crush on John Cusack,
0: but it was too sheepish about it. But then at some point she lost all this weight and John Cusack drunkenly kissed her before she lost all the weight. And he sees her again and he's like, wow, you look great. And he has this offline where he's like,
1: I always thought you looked great. You know?
0: And so it was like, yeah. And it's, I
1: mean, they kind of, they kind of like, that's their, that's their contrivance for like believing that John Cusack likes Julia Roberts. Yeah. He, he liked never her.
0: noticed her before.
1: Yeah. He, it's not like that. Cause yeah. he did notice her before. Right. But like, it's just, it's, it's two th- It's really 2003. Three. It's like the end of this era of caring about how skinny people were. Right. And it, it, the thing is, it didn't feel like satire at that point. Right. If it did, then that would make sense. Yeah. But it was just like, "Oh, you lost weight. Great." Yeah. I love that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and it's like, who who like, cares? Who cares? You know, commenting on somebody's weight isn't even like an, a thing you can't do in in the real world like you prefer that they bring it up. Right. But like I know people that love talking about the fact that they lost weight mm-hmm. if if that's what they want to do. And great if that's what you want to do. Great. But like it's always weird to see in a movie because it just it feels like Ah, Hollywood! This is what you care about: people being beautiful and skinny.
0: Yeah, and also, it's just kind of bullshit as a story point. Yeah, because that's not—that's just not how how it works. Yeah,
1: and not only that, but like, it's not like Julia Roberts did it for a reason. She just got skinnier. Yeah, she just basically what we get is she stopped
0: eating bread, (laughs) and that's the thing that this movie—it's like, so are you? Are you saying that she isn't worthy of being a romantic lead in her own life until she looks like what Julia Roberts currently looks like? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Why not just have her be... Why not have someone like... Julia Roberts. Melanie Linsky, who doesn't look like Julia Roberts, who looks like a normal woman, who looks great. Why can't you just have
1: her be the romantic lead? Maybe we're we're, asking
0: too much of this movie. We're
1: we're really slowing the story down, (laughs) but I just want to... On that point, I think the casting of this movie honestly did it a detriment. Mm -hmm. And Robin and I talked about this after the film, John Mm -hmm. Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones as America's sweethearts doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. This is the reason why Catherine Zeta-Jones is like a certified, like if you want to call it a certified hottie, Mm -hmm. right? And John Cusack is kind of a lovable goof. Yeah. Right. Those two together... Like the thing about like the satire of America's Sweethearts is you're seeing like either like the actual sweethearts, which in that case you'd have John Cusack with somebody like a Sandra Bullock or a Julia Roberts, right? Yeah. Because they're like sweethearts, but they're more real in in a respect than Catherine Zeta-Jones, who feels like goddess-esque. Yeah. And so you either have them play the sweethearts or you have uh, somebody like Brad Pitt play opposite Catherine Zeta Jones, where it's like, ah, they're America's sweethearts because they're both so gorgeous and beautiful. Well, I think today's America's
0: sweethearts is probably Ryan Reynolds and Blake lively.
1: Yeah. Or, um, it's, uh, I, I think I, yeah, you can't really call them America's sweethearts, but, um, Zendaya and Tom Holland. Tom Holland, are, yeah. are kind of it's, akin. It's a couple that we love Everybody to love, yeah. and we like seeing
0: them be cute together, and we like to see them on screen and off screen. We don't really see Reynolds, but and these Lively. people
1: don't seem lovable. Yeah, they don't seem like sweethearts. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, the thing. John Cusack does, but not where we find him in life. Right. So he's in a dark place because he's pissed that he got cheated. But on. Catherine Zeta Jones isn't a sweetheart. No, she's maniacal Sh- and selfish
0: and the movie kind of paints her as this very self-centered actress person and kiki julie roberts is having to serve her every need and again what are you doing are you doing a 30 rock thing where she's supposed to be jenna maroney are you doing a birdcage thing where she's supposed to be nathan lane like what are you trying to say or are you just saying she's really selfish is that all you is that all you've got i
1: mean i i get her character but And again, Billy Crystal is like leaning in. He's like, guys, don't you get it? And it's like, are you trying to satirize the fact that she is everybody thinks she's so sweet, but she really isn't. And you're satirizing the press and the fact that they can't see people for who they really are. They just see celebrity and only we are privy to this like, the selfishness? Yeah. Or, like, what are you... You're you're right. It's like, what are you... What are you saying?
0: It it feels like there's a lot of flat types in this movie. Like, the actress, the executive, and Billy Crystal is playing the press agent, and because it's Billy Crystal's baby, he actually gives it some dimension because he gets to be involved. And John Cusack is oscillating between, like, crazy, like, jealous boyfriend and then, like play it cool. Kind of like, no, I'm hip. Don't worry about it. I'm,
1: I'm all good to sweetheart. Actually, as long as I'm with the right person, I'm a really nice guy. But
0: then Hank Azaria is just this ridiculous, like foreign boyfriend and he's not even foreign. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's like, there's not a lot of dimension in these characters other than
1: Julia Roberts, who isn't a type. Well, and she, I think she has, she has, she has, she gives the character dimension. Mm hmm. But Where there is none written. <laughs> There's none written. Like, because, like, really, she's just this. She's good at telling her sister what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. And she really likes John Cusack. But she doesn't have a goal of her own. No. <laughs> so, she's,
0: she's, yeah. We're at this press junket. Let's get to the story. Yeah, we're at yeah, this yeah. press junket. And Gwen, Catherine Zeta Jones, she has trapped,
1: trapped me. me and Sean Curry Whoa.
0: and Eddie are doing this cat and dog thing where they're fighting and blah. I blah, blah, can't get along. He's pissed that he got cheated on and all that stuff. Yeah. But then he notices Julie Roberts at the pool, but he doesn't know that it's Julia Roberts. He thinks it's Catherine Z- Zeta-Jones. And so
1: he's there's like this masturbating joke. I'm like, eh, yeah, but well, I, I don't like he 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 accidentally hits a cactus and yeah. it, and i just think again poor directing because like when he's taking the the, uh, the prickers uh, the out of prickers, his pecker yeah the prickers out of his pecker um on camera it really looks like he's jacking off but when we see him do it it looks like he's carefully just taking a couple things off yeah and it doesn't translate it just it doesn't work like again it's like pick a speed yeah <laughs> Um, Because this is literally, they should have picked a speed his hand was moving. I know. Um, So he is
0: conflicted about how he feels about Gwen, but Gwen wants to drop divorce papers and is not telling him that. But then he and Julia Roberts start hitting it off, and they actually
1: have really nice chemistry in spite of everything. Like, I want to. I'm sad that we never got a John Cusack Julia Roberts movie in this time period. Yeah, that
0: was really good. And we saw like i just imagine julia roberts just like looking at this like okay <laughs> just like i get to do whatever i want because like she's she's just brilliant she's just amazing so that should be said uh because the actors it's not that the actors are bad or they're no. putting in a bad performance no. i just don't think the script gave them anything to work with and the director
1: didn't either but like when stanley tucci goes off like his character isn't really well written but he puts 110% into the dimension that he's given to yeah. play. Yeah, totally. And that's when flat performances really come off flat. Yeah. is because they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And you're right. Billy Crystal does give his character like a lot of dimension because he's like somebody who actually cares about like story and Hollywood and history, and he likes these people. There's like a lot of lines where he's like, no, I actually like John Cusack, but I also want to get this picture made because like I'm really good at my job. Yeah. And he wants two people to get together. And it's like, he tells jokes- yeah. Like he's just a character. He's one of the few.
0: Yeah. And his his whole arc is that when we first meet him, he's like, I'll do whatever it takes to get this Hollywood film sold and market and all that. But then he's interacting with Stanley Tucci, who's crazy. And he's like, well, what if they committed suicide at the movie premiere? And like Crystal's like, oh, wow, I, I actually I, have a heart. And, yeah, you know, I actually I, do I care about
1: these people. I couldn't. I couldn't possibly watch somebody commit suicide like you, (laughs) evil Stanley Tucci. That's just too far. (laughs) See, did Stanley Tucci have a goatee in this film? Uh, No, no. He should have, because he felt like mirror universe Tucci. Yeah. So they're at this junket. Um, uh, John Cusack and Julia Roberts kind of hit it off. We get that at one point in time, they kissed in the past, but he doesn't quite remember it. And then Hank Azaria and John Cusack get in a big fight. And... It's a good fight, I guess. Yeah. Gwen is kind of like
0: turned on that these boys are fighting over oh, her. Oh, she
1: really is. She like does a She's turn like, to oh look at Oh She's like, oh, yeah.
0: these two over me? Yeah. And uh, I don't know why, but he and Julia Roberts kiss and they hook up. Yeah, uh, but I don't remember so she, having
1: a good reason. Well, what happens is she kind of Florence Nightingales him. Yeah. And um, they were having a nice date before this whole thing got interrupted. Because remember... Gwen wasn't going to show up and then she came and interrupted their date. Yeah. And then they end up back at a hotel room together. And since I I think it's just proximity, Julia Roberts wanted it to happen for a long time. And John Cusack like kind of realized that he liked her that night. Yeah. And then, so they had sex.
0: Yeah, and I really liked the blanket over the mouth the yeah, morning after. Yeah, it's so That's charming. Nice, it's just like, where was this attention to detail the in rest other of the scenes? Because that like, was so cute and thoughtful.
1: Honestly, that feels like something that Julia Roberts came up with on the day, like something Absolutely. that she's done it before. It felt improvised yeah. and felt blank. It was good. Like, she's basically trying to hide her her um, <laughs> morning breath. Yeah, and Sarah then she tries watching. to hide his. Yeah, Sarah's yeah.
0: watching. She's like, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, but then... Gwen calls and he like runs out the door to go meet her and Kiki's just furious that he would do this and she's just could not believe he would do such a. It's a weird.
1: It was a really weird turn for her character because, like, she was for years she's put up with nonsense, right? And sure, he should have probably been like, "I'll see her later," but can she not understand
0: how? emotionally complicated he is in this moment like yeah. he's in a really really weird place and are you really going to think he would just be that different
1: well and and not only that but like the way it's portrayed or i feel like the way it was directed um is that julie roberts is just fucking pissed yeah and it's like well like i i can see you like being mad and being like well okay, I'm not going to do this right now. And like leaving. Yeah. But like, you don't even like, I feel, I feel like, you know, that the divorce papers are coming and you know that he's hung up on her. I don't know. It, it makes sense emotionally, but it read weird on scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you could just tell that the director's telling her this and she's like, okay. And it, cause she's Julie Roberts, she's going to do it.
1: Yeah. But I think she probably thought this is bad direction. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe we're off. Like, we weren't there, but that's just what it felt like.
0: Yeah. Uh, Or maybe the director's like, Yeah, I I
1: told her, like, just be a little mad, and she just went off the rails. I don't know (laughs) what happened to you guys. So, uh, I mean, she ends up pouring some eggs on John Cusack after he can't admit that he's into her. Right. Um, And, like, and it's a weird place to put John. I mean, it's a weird place that John Cusack puts himself, too, because, like, Catherine Zeta Jones is, like, trying to be like, are you into me? Because I might be into you. And it's like all seventh grade-y. And then yeah. John Cusack's like, I don't know what to say right now because I kind of like Catherine Zeta-Jones, but I do like her sister. What do I do? And so he finally cracks. And after Catherine Zeta-Jones is like, I just don't know whether I want to divorce you or not. And he's like, you're the devil. And he runs after Julia Roberts. And... I think like I like their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Like when he's trying to win her back, I'm like, I believe this. Yeah, I, I believe this moment I want them to be back. Yeah. Um
0: and so Christopher Walken shows up as Hal Weidman, um, and there's the big movie premiere and it starts <laughs> well, off John Cusack almost kills himself first. Yeah, it was a very uh, better off dead moment. Uh, yeah. And then they got over it. Billy Crystal saved his life. So yeah, there you that's go. Fine. Um Billy Crystal looks like the hero in this movie. And
1: then the movie gets interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure what you were, you were going to think of the Christopher walken Uh Well, Christopher Walken playing, like, I, I like him as this character, like mm-hmm. this weird director who chose after having, after, I don't, I, I would like to know why he did this, but he chose to set up a bunch of cameras around his film set, maybe because he knew weird stuff was going on. And showed all the behind the scenes of this high profile movie and showed... Uh,
0: Gwen talking about cheating on John Cusack and Kiki reacting to it and John Cusack being jealous on set and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And, but I, like, I like the idea of this, just like I like the idea of this movie. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why he did it. Right. (laughs) Like, like he's an eccentric dude and we get that. But I would love it if like earlier in the movie we got that like Catherine Zeta-Jones had like slighted him early in his career yeah or or maybe uh or maybe the the director, or maybe uh stanley tucci had or there there didn't seem to be a reason that he was searching for this kind of truth here. yeah i
0: think therein lies the conception of this film is that there wasn't really motivation for having the circumstances and the characters be the way that they are i think they just thought it would seem funny mm-hmm. and they just wrote it and didn't think about giving motivation to it and it felt a lot of this movie felt flimsy to me and that's yeah. one of the that's one of the like emblems of its flimsiness is like yeah but what's it doing here and i feel like billy chris was like ah, get it like it's like he just made his joke and is like moving on it's like
1: it feels like a sketch you know what it feels like it feels like an Oscar intro. Yeah. <laughs> like, Billy Crystal, famously, I would say, the best Oscar host. Bar none. Like, there's nobody that came close. Bar none. And there are good ones, too. Yeah. Like, there there, there are good other Oscar hosts, but Billy Crystal is the best. Mm-hmm. And he was so good at creating these sketch moments. Yeah. Where, where it was like, he was like... Get it like this movie, and we're like, You're right, you made that part of that movie funnier. Yeah, and he can riff like no one's like nobody's business, business, which is why he's probably one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah. But this whole movie did feel like unfinished sketches.
0: And it felt like there was a script, and Billy Crystal came in and started riffing. And like it's the it's the thing where you're in the room and Billy Crystal's like what, if, what about this? What about this? What about this? What if he's like an eccentric guy and he got like, like, like a cabin, like this weird cabin is next, like just these things. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one stopped to think about what they were putting down. And then they just were left with the
1: script. Was it Analyze This and Analyze That made before or after this? Um, or before. Before? Before this. Hmm.
0: He, he's really brilliant. That's Do you what think I, he's drunk with power here? <laughs> no, but that's what my point was. Is like, this guy is Hollywood royalty and it's just one of those things where it's like this,
1: just this one didn't quite work. No, and,
0: at least for us just didn't quite yeah. work
1: for us. And I, I will say that this movie has the trick of having a bunch of, I wouldn't say laugh out loud moments, but a bunch of funny moments mm-hmm. where again, they're not, I maybe they're clever, not even clever moments, but yeah. it's just like, I like Billy Crystal's physical acting. Maybe it's the physicality. Yeah. I liked the physicality of all the actors in this movie, except for the whole jerking it scene because it didn't seem to match. <laughs> well, let but, me
0: let me give you an alternative okay, go ahead. to this critical opinion. Are you rewriting the movie? No. All right. <laughs> Do you have a, another big quibble? No, okay. not even that. I'm giving you an alternative read of this movie. This movie is pretty good. It's really silly, and the characters are, are really, really goofy. And I really like how John Cusack just kind of goes off the walls, and uh, Julie Roberts is really charming, and the chemistry is really fun. And this movie is pretty good. That's a legitimate read of this movie. It is. Because if you <laughs> just wanted to just enjoy kooky characters, kooky circumstances, and weird characters, and just has this kind of like... Having a ball, kind of energy, yeah. Go for it. Have fun. Yeah. Let me. I don't want to get in the way of your fun because I can understand why people would love this movie. I agree, and
1: it's weird because (laughs) I did watch this movie the first time. I think I loved it.
0: Yeah, me too. I went on Letterboxd and I had originally given it three and a half stars. I'm like, oh, Ryan, no. (laughs) Out of four,
1: uh, yeah. I was like, no, no. (laughs) And and the thing is, I do think like if we compare this to a Netflix movie that we watched yeah, and maybe liked more than this movie. I don't think it was necessarily because that movie was better overall. It's just that this movie should have been better given what it had. Yeah. Both in the actor and the writer and the money. Like, you have Rain Wilson in this movie three times and you just don't use him properly.
0: Well, to be fair, I don't think they knew
1: they had no, no, Rain Wilson. I, I they agree. just had an actor. I agree. But like in retrospect, having like all of us having seen Billy Crystal movies, John Cusack movies, Julia Robert movies, Catherine Zeta-Jones movies, Stanley Tucci movies, Christopher Walken movies, Alan Arkin movies. you We've seen all of these people in projects that were very good. Yeah, And it's okay. <laughs> you know what the problem is? This... This is like the Lakers. Okay? <laughs> so at one point in you time You got the
0: dream. No, not the dream team. No, no, at boys. one point
1: in time after they won all of their um titles They built the dream team. Yeah. Okay. Cause you still had Kobe and Shaq, but then you got like Gary Payton. You got, (laughs) he was in the Lakers. Yeah. You got, I I believe Carl Malone also (laughs) came. And so you had all of these players that had all been in so many successful teams that used to play against the Lakers now on the Lakers. Yeah. They make it to the finals and they get beat. Yeah. By the heat. Yeah. I, I, and I, okay, I might be a little wrong on the details, but I was way into the Lakers back in the day, right? like when I was in high school and it was just sad because they had built this dream team and it was like, they had so many different players who were good at playing basketball, but they weren't all good at playing basketball together.
0: Well, and that's the thing. They stacked the cast, but the formula is not about a stacked cast rule the first thing you need is a great script then you need a great cast then you're 80 there then the director just puts the ball into the green uh-huh. and you're good you're done you're ready to go but the script wasn't very good they stacked the cast to, to distract you from a mediocre script then you had a director who really didn't know what he was doing and i don't know why he was hired i really think that it was one of those things where it's like get him to do it like they're, like you know yeah, i guess so compared to like in and out where it's like frank oz who is an artist and like, he's not just the guy who voices Yoda. He, he's the director of what about Bob and these other brilliant comedies. Yeah, This guy is not a brilliant director the way that Frank Oz is or birdcage with, with Mike Nichols. Yes. The director of the graduate. Of course he would make a brilliant movie with the birdcage because he knew what he had, but I don't think these filmmakers really knew what they
1: had. No, which is why so much was left in this movie that I honestly, I think you could cut this movie down to like an hour and 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and have a much better film. Yeah. Um, Like there's this limo driver scene where the limo driver played by Steve Pink, who's kind of a that guy in a bunch of comedies in this era. He like... Just keeps turning around and talking to John Cusack and John Cusack's like tired of him talking to him because he's like, you know, famous guy. And this guy is like keeps talking to him and he's yeah. like, he does that thing that we see all the time in these movies where he's like, you know, people think I look like you. Yeah. And like these people exist. You know, it, it's it's like that trope that you always see in movies where people come up to writers and they're like, I've got a story for you. That happens to me all the time where like as soon as somebody finds out i write screenplays <laughs> somebody's like oh oh let me tell you a story about my life i've always wanted to tell, turn it into a story and i'm like okay so this exists but this doesn't need to be in this movie yeah. like it is like three minutes of your time that you could have devoted elsewhere yeah
0: so the tldr is this movie isn't bad no it's it's not a bad we movie. have a lot to complain about but only because we have there's so many like Oh, you had paprika. You had all these good ingredients. What happened, you
1: guys? Like I like how paprika was like your go-to ingredient. I was like, what's a what's weird a good base ingredient? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's yeah, just no. You had you had all the ingredients there for something wonderful, and it is so mediocre.
0: It could have been In N Out. It could have been the birdcage. It could have been something brilliant, but it wasn't.
1: It it kind of it feels like um it feels like rich food. Where if you're not in the mood for it, it's not going to sit in your belly well. Mm-hmm. But if if you were like, yeah, all I wanted was a slice of cheesecake, you'd be like, mm, that was good. Yeah. I wanted that cheesecake.
0: Yeah. And if I was stuck on a desert island
1: and I only had this movie, it wouldn't be so bad. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> the 20th time watching it, it'd probably be really funny. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing where it's like
0: you 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 get sick and sick and sick and you start hating it but then there's this weird thing at the 10th rewatch and yeah. you're just like, no, this movie's amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just didn't realize how brilliant it was. But I really like a lot of John Cusack moments throughout the movie. Me too. I really do. I think John Cusack, Robin called him non-smoon-worthy when, <laughs> when we were watching this and I think what John Cusack is is a boy next door Yeah. And I love that about him. Yeah. I love it a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's the movie. What can you do? Uh, Yeah, let's go to Trope Talk. I think that's what we should do next. Mm -hmm. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like fart talk
1: because this movie kind of stank. Wow. You know what, Stank? Your rhyme. <laughs> okay. So what trope are we talking about today? We're talking about farce. Not, oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> see? You're bringing me back around mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. Farce and satire. We talked about The Birdcage. I think we talked about it in and out We need Rachel here. She's so helpful with these movies. Sure. So she brought yeah. them both to us. But um, I'm trying to think, did we have any other movies that were... Farces, satires, big movies that were either making statements or were just so outlandish in their execution.
1: Well, okay. So you brought up what about Bob earlier? Mm. It's a comedy, but it's kind of a farce about therapy.
0: Yeah, because those characters are very
1: larger than life. At right. least, at least with the therapist and the patient. Right, where like the relationship between these two big personalities when pushed into the extreme gives us a hilarious look at what we all think about this relationship yeah and that's what farce kind of does is it blows up what we think under a microscope and takes that and makes it bigger and sometimes more fun sometimes it just it really puts things under a microscope and like bends the light around it Frasier is really good at this. There's
0: episodes where it gets really farcical and they know it and they do things where they put characters in ridiculous situations and we always believe what's happening and they do it to show off what these characters are about. Mm -hmm. Like the episode where... Frasier and Niles and Daphne and the crew go to this cabin and everyone yes. likes everyone. And there's but, a lot of nobody room likes, swapping. Nobody no one likes who they're supposed to like. exactly. And there's, they're all scurrying between rooms and like some it's,
1: characters are gay, but they don't know it. And like, there's these, these big things happening. And, and the, the, the thing about farce and especially farce and like sitcoms is it's reference upon reference upon reference upon reference where it's like, what what we're referencing right now are like kind of eighties sitcoms, which are kind of references to like Shakespeare in a way. And, and so like, they're all like this, this thing is like, like farce is kind of hard to nail down because you're taking a look sideways or back at something that has already happened and saying, all right, we're going to wink at you and tell you we actually know what's going on here but we're going to make it more fun because we're winking
0: and it's just big and we we have these larger than life performances and we always are believing what we're seeing
1: yeah 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 in good farce yeah yeah (laughs) yeah in bad farce it's just bad so like weekend at bernie's Uh uh-huh is that a farce it's ridiculous. It's Might on this list. It could be a farce. <laughs> it's on this I, list not, on my phone. I'm not putting
0: it past it. But like, take a movie like Birdcage. There are moments that are farce and there are moments that are satire. Like when Gene Hackman and Diane Weist are watching the talk show on CNN and they're all just talking over each other and they completely deadpan go, this is the most brilliant talk show on on television. Mm-hmm. And that's satire. That's sure. That's taking American culture, showing it to the audience and being like, See this? See how fucking stupid this is? And it's just skewering it. But there's like no wink involved. Yeah. But then we get to towards the end of the movie where Robin Williams is scrambling around the kitchen and Hank Azaria is scrambling around the kitchen. And like Hank Azaria falls and like it's just like madness. That's farce. And we just believe every all these big swings that are going on on screen.
1: Okay. So I think Adam Sandler is is not somebody we... (laughs) (laughs) generally bring up on this podcast but we have earlier today think of happy gilmore Mm -hmm. okay they're for the most part it's a farce of golf Mm -hmm. because they're saying look at this really important sport what if we added an element here that really shook things up and like it like picked golf up by its ankles and shook out all of the change from its pockets yeah and we can just laugh at golf yeah yeah Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes golf big and weird and dumb.
0: And when you it, got Richard Keel chasing after Norm, Mac- like all those guys, and
1: it's just silly. Right. And so I think that like the weird difference between satire and farce, and I'm sure a th- probably a theater person would be doing a much better job at Look, describing it me than me. us. But like the 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 flavor of irony is different. Mm-hmm. Where in satire the the characters that are being satired don't know that they are, mm-hmm. whereas in farce, it it feels more like everybody might not be in on the joke, but the joke is being made not at their expense, but for the fun of it.
0: Yeah, is yeah. that
1: true? Yeah, I think that's it.
0: Because like with with satire, it's being very clever, but mm-hmm. with farce, it's just blasting it. And we're we're and and we're, we're just we're,
1: blasting
0: it, and and that's the thing. It's like with this movie, I don't know which direction you're trying to go because you have some characters that are being outlandish and ridiculous,
1: but like, not like the the Stanley Tucci character. Yeah, there. That's obviously a farcical character because right. he is he is literally talking about killing someone for or letting someone kill themselves just to like. Bring the 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 money into this movie.
0: Yeah, and are you trying to shock us with humor? Are we laughing because we're uncomfortable? Are we laughing because we're saying, "Ah, Hollywood execs are just like this"? And I think therein lies kind of the problem: is that Billy Crystal's like, Hollywood execs are just like this. And it's like I don't know. I'm not friends with them. You're the one who's friends with them. Like I don't know these people. Like it's the wrong it's the wrong like crowd to skewer because with birdcage you're skewering conservatives just like just this political discourse you're not Mm -hmm. you're not saying these particular type of people even though you're using particular type of people but you're getting at something bigger whereas i don't know are you just saying just this class of seven people that studio heads are like this because
1: that's really not saying much at all i think i think if we if we take a look at this movie's like macro point which is the film industry is bogus. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it's really, really difficult to make a movie that says that because yeah. how am I supposed to enjoy what you're giving me at that point? It's right. like, it's like, it's, it's like Hollywood movies are bullshit. It's like, you're a Hollywood like, movie. <laughs> like, not, not only are you a Hollywood movie, but you might you're be a, the most Hollywood movie ever. Yeah. And like i i wonder if there like where there was a time that this movie knew what it was doing had a good point to make and was well on its way of doing it with a wink and a nod at itself in a way that we would have enjoyed more like I wonder I wonder like what big Elements took it down like I, I Really wish there was a um, Heart of darkness Documentary about the making of this movie
0: Yeah I think the Thing that's missing from this movie Is
1: love <laughs> <laughs> Love because oh, is, is this a um, They came together problem uh,
0: Partly um, I think Billy Crystal was writing what he knows and he knows the film industry. He knows Hollywood. And he knows, he can riff on what he knows about the film industry.
1: Like, like I, I think if you took Stanley Tucci from, from I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting your point mm-hmm. because I'm sure it's going to be a good point, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to make sure I, I said this cause we went past Stanley Tucci. I think if you made him a little bit more of a human character, mm-hmm. but at one time point in time, um, like they were having that conversation where, uh, he's, like Billy Crystal makes a a joke about uh, John Cusack killing himself and then Stanley Tucci uh, in this, he's like, do you think he'd do that? And it's like, whoa. But he's like, just kidding. Just kidding. Ha ha. But what if they like sat there for a second and Stanley Tucci was like, if only that would save my career. Right. Where it's like, he doesn't actually want him to, but there is like a 1% part of him that knows that that would be good for him in a way. Right. Then and, then that would feel like sat, not even satire, that would just be a good character. But I think the
0: big lesson is if you're going to be in, because this movie is definitively in the realms of satire and farce because yeah. of what it's doing, you can't pull your punches. And with Tooch's the Tuch's character, it, they pulled their punches. Because they're like, Even oh, though they made him big. Yeah, they're like, oh, we went there. Just kidding. Just kidding. Like, wouldn't that be silly if he like he was really well like no that? but he
1: but he is really like that and that's that's the thing but is i don't that, think
0: it's as committed as a movie as net like network would be with, no, with the depiction no
1: but late but later on we like john cusack's on the roof and stanley tucci wants him to jump he no, we like definitively that character wants him to kill himself, right? But in other
0: moments, he does pull his punches, and like it's just it's I, inconsistent. No, it's well, inconsistent.
1: see, I actually saw that moment that you're talking about where he says, "Just kidding." Yeah, is he just says that so that Billy Crystal doesn't think he is like that? But like, why would he care then? Why would he be so cartoonish as to say it in the first place? I don't know. It, right? it, it, it,
0: but it never got. <laughs> it's never earned. But my main point is, it's it lacks love because. Crystal's riffing on this thing that he knows, and he's able to make some sly, funny things said about it, Mm -hmm. Um, but he doesn't really love the material because in a movie like The Birdcage or In-N-Out or other movies that are successful, uh, Gene Hackman in Birdcage says reprehensible things and Mm -hmm. has reprehensible viewpoints. But these characters in the movie feel the need and the like the thing inside of them like well we are family so we have to love you and like they they're they all come together and it's like we have to figure out a way to be family with one another
1: and so the story is uh that's not that doesn't happen in the movie until the end when they're at yeah the, that's
0: that it ends with that feeling of, yeah
1: it ends in that, that feeling.
0: Yeah. they're not saying like oh we love you right off the bat no I'm but not, this I'm movie this
1: movie ends in love too no
0: is- <laughs> My, my point is the birdcage is skewering a conservative politician like that and mm-hmm. still ends with characters loving that character.
1: That, yes. I, hold on. But just before we leave the birdcage, uh-huh. the, in that movie, the, I think the main difference is we have other characters that are characters that we love that aren't the ones being satirized. Mm-hmm. Like the movie's not about Gene Hackman. And no. I think that's essential.
0: Well, well, yeah, but it would be it's, a really boring movie without Gene Hackman.
1: No, sure, but I I just I I want to point out that like the I don't lo- think it would be a satire if you didn't have Gene but Hackman. But the love that we get, mm-hmm. the love that we feel is the love from our our main characters in in those movies. Right, but I I you're
0: you're distracting from my point. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is the deeper dimension and the greater thing that those movies are doing is is bringing love to a corner you didn't think it would go. It wouldn't. It's it's this character, by it saying, but saying that these characters, Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, still find a way to love this very unlovable character. And, At least be kind to them. I don't know if he loves them. <laughs> well, love in the same way that you love the family member that you fucking hate. You you still have to love them. Like yeah. you don't have to like them, you don't have to like what they're about, but you're stuck with them. They're family, and family love is that weird, complicated thing where you really want to punch
1: someone, and you're still family with them. And it's a very complicated, deep feeling. And that's have you have you, ne- have you never had a family member that you just didn't love? Oh, uh, I don't understand the concept. Oh. Like
0: I, I just if they're I... if they're family, there's something there's something undeniable about that bond. And like I said, you can really want to fucking punch them in the throat and uh, like, you can really hate them, but you still have to love them because you're still their family. That's, that's my perspective. At sure. Least.
1: I don't have the same perspective because there, there are a couple family members that I have had who I, I found like as a, as a human, I try to share love with, you know, everybody I meet, mm-hmm. not in a gross way, <laughs> but I have had family members where I have like, I don't need to spend any more time creating any kind of relationship with you. And so I've just said, there's no reason for me to spend time loving you. Sure. I don't have to do that. I don't think that was the point of the birdcage is what I'm saying. I'm saying in, in the
0: birdcage, they're like, we are not on the same side, but we're going to find a way to be family together. And I, I really like what that story is doing. There's nothing going on in this movie that's doing stuff on that level of taking an interesting dynamic and giving us characters who fight through
1: an interesting dynamic. Yeah, because most of the people in this movie are kind of the same. They're all hol- they're all Hollywood elites except for Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I guess that's just it. They're all, like, we either have, like, the elite from the press, yeah, who are, like, not elite, I guess, but they're all, like, you know, part of the Hollywood industry, because they're all, like, movie reviewers. You have Alan Arkin, who plays even is, like, this wellness guide to, like, famous people. They, They have, like, a very rich retreat, right? Yeah. It's just, it's a bunch of mainly unlikable people who have kind of likable things about them, except for Julia Roberts, Billy Crystal, and John Cusack, who are... For the most part, kind of (laughs) likable, but like you know, not in a way that has endeared me to their characters forever, right? Like, like in the Birdcage, for instance. Take a movie like
0: Spinal Tap. The characters are ridiculous and absurd, and they're saying this industry is absurd. But there's still some kind of element of love where it's like, kind of love it still
1: though. well, Well, yeah. Well, I think the 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 point that you're trying to get to, or get me to, is that I don't feel a love for the industry. Through mm-hmm. Billy Crystal's writing or right. the direction, I don't. I, but in Spinal Tap, I feel a love for rock and roll. Yeah,
0: in, in even though the it's saying like it's kind of stupid a yeah. lot of the times.
1: And and yeah, I I feel like if you are gonna satirize or or farce up something like this or fart it up. <laughs> I think you really do need to add that element of love. Like there needs to be a reason, not, not knowledge. Cause knowledge is different. Like the, it's obvious that Billy Crystal knows the industry, like, and especially so through like all of the, the bad movies that we see that they've been in. Right. It's like, okay, you're right. You know what courtroom dramas look like. You know what, you know, bad sci-fi concepts look like. Like we kind of all do though. Mm-hmm. Like I need to know. I need to see through your eyes what makes you fall in love with this industry. And what I'm thinking is maybe right now, right then Billy Crystal didn't like where Hollywood was at.
0: Yeah. And he was just complaining. Yeah. And like, I'm saying, what if you took a character like the tooch and did a Gene Hackman treatment of like, he says reprehensible things like that character, That guy should just throw himself off a building or something like that. And like, what have you turned it around? Like, keep him where he is. Cause it's not like Gene Hackman, like, changed. No, I don't like Gene Hackman. No, you no. don't, you're not supposed to like him, mm-hmm. but there's something kind of like weirdly endearing seeing him be danced off the stage at the end of the movie. Sure. And it's like, that would have been a nice challenge to give us with a Tooch, but they never even go go that far but there's something of that weird dimensionality well
1: i i i i see what you're 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 saying but i don't think they humanize gene hackman a lot i think the the trick that movie does is we have these characters that are kind to him Mm -hmm. no matter what right mainly for well not no matter what they're doing it for their son right right yeah that's and that's the love and so i i don't necessarily need more I do need more dimensionality of <laughs> but what I need more is the good characters in this movie, bringing out humanity and the less good right. characters. Like, like I needed Julia Roberts turning Catherine a little right, bit. Right. Exactly. Or, and like John Cusack forgiving her and apologizing. Yeah. Like there, there needed to be that kind of like our best characters are the ones who are going to humanize themselves and, thus humanizing everybody else. Yeah. In their proximity. Yeah. Which is what I think the birdcage does. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're right. Gene, Gene Hackman doesn't become, maybe he becomes a little bit better of a character by the end. Yeah. But we don't see it happen. We just can kind of intuitive but there's this weird feeling i have i'm like
0: i'm glad that gene hackman now has robin williams and nathan lane in his life <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i feel that <laughs> you know you think the world's gotten just a little bit better yeah at least they're together
0: through family and at least there's that yeah like that's it's there's it's not a lot but it's something and i'm not saying that the movie should have hinged on the tooch but it's like if you're gonna have a character like the tooch be the way that he is like do something with it. Don't just have flat characters or be so bold with your flat characters that we are so distracted by something else because it's just there's just no, nothing to it. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what there is something to? Oh what?
0: Our Patreon. Hey. <laughs> Let's just start off by saying, guys, the poll is still on. We Whoa, have... and it's gotten it's gotten closer. It's gotten closer. Enchanted is slight slightly winning yeah it's it
1: slightly winning is just ahead of tangled at i the really want tangled to win you guys help me out jump on there i i mean i'd like to see tangled but i'm more interested in seeing enchanted because i've never seen i've never seen either of them but i feel like we'd have more to say about fair enchanted. enough and
0: there's a enchanted sequel coming out on thanksgiving called disenchanted so oh no there you oh go no. oh no oh yes that is the poll. If you want to change things up, you can also vote for Beauty and the Beast or the Little Mermaid. Um, you get to pick the movie that we did. This month we did Bridesmaids mm-hmm. and my, best, and friend's my best friend's wedding. Oh, mm-hmm. I need to issue a correction. Last week I said that Paul Feig was Kenny the camera guy in Heavyweights. He was not. He was some other guy. I can't remember what his <laughs> job was, but Kenny <laughs> did the camera Kenny no, but Kenny the camera guy was played by Alan Covert. Which Alan Covert is Adam Sandler's buddy. Another that guy. He's in all the Adam Sandler mm-hmm. movies. And Judd Apatow was, has been friends with Adam Sandler since the very beginning of Adam Sandler's career. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. And so that's another weird connection that Alan Covert was part of that crew with Judd Apatow and all those guys. So, yeah. Not Kenny the camera guy.
1: Excuse me. Good to know. <laughs>
0: Um, also at the Patreon, we have, uh, Kelly's essay this, this week he wrote about, um, Our Flag Means Death. Our Flag Means Death, starring Taika Waititi, ET, all New Zealand funniest actors.
1: Yeah. Rhys Davies. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if there's any other Kiwi greats in there, but. I'm sure there are. I just, I, I'm still versing myself. (laughs) <laughs> in them but there's there's some there's a couple of american actors in there too oh nice yeah um it's it's a good group of actors for sure they use the
0: same technology on that show as they do on the mandalorian, mandalorian that's so right really, something that we might be playing with soon yeah too. i really want to i really want to watch it and also looking forward to i kind of want to watch the show before i read your essay
1: you should i i think i this is my recommendation um i i Gobbled up that show with Robin mm-hmm. and uh, it left me only wanting more. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we also have
0: a bonus episode on Everything, Everywhere, All at Once starring the incomparable Michelle Yeoh.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Also, go out and go out and see it. Go out and watch it while you have time. Mm-hmm. And then and we have Gilmore Girls. Season Gilmore four Girls coming. this month. We're working Maybe on it. I promise. It. <laughs> it's, it's like. Um, just how like, close do you think we are on that one? We're real close. I tell you, we're real close. <laughs> <laughs> how how close are we to Jess coming back in into the show? I don't want even. I don't want to even um, dignify. <laughs> how close the are answer. we to seeing Logan?
0: Um, I don't want
1: to dignify the answer. <laughs> dignify <laughs> so the question uh, that's that's going to be this month. Um, you can feel. You can you can feel free if you enjoy the show and you've gotten hours of entertainment out of it, like. We, Ryan and I have probably put, I don't know, how many days of effort into this? Probably three, maybe four. Maybe four days? Maybe five whole days. Would you say six? I could go up to
0: six. I could even raise you to seven.
1: Maybe eight? Maybe maybe eight. We've put quite a few (laughs) days into this uh, whole project and we are seeing the numbers really, really raised these days. So uh, first off, I want to thank you for listening. And if you do have just a little bit of extra scratch and you want us to keep doing this, because we have a lot of other projects kind of in the woodworks right now that we're trying to find time for, and we're also trying to continue to justify to our wives that this is also worth (laughs) Worth our our time. time.
0: Should we tell them what we're working on, just roughly? Sure, yeah. Guys, we're writing a rom-com.
1: We are writing a rom-com. And we...
0: Before we recorded tonight, we started talking about, like, the two-year plan, the five-year plan of the things that we want to do, and... The the stars are shining upon us. The future is bright.
1: The future is bright. We can't really tell any more than that because I mean we don't we don't want a listener stealing our great <laughs> ideas. But <laughs> if you want more rom coms to even exist, so do we. Want, we do too. We
0: do too. And this podcast existing helps our chances. How how much
1: of a like self congratulatory? Like how meta would it get if we? made this rom-com and then reviewed it on our show. We absolutely have to do I think we'd have to have guests. We absolutely. Like, that would be too much of a circle jerk, that I feel like. That would be so good.
0: But you know, it's it's a weird thing that in the film industry, you have people who were writers for forever, and then they became a director, like Alex Garland, who sure. didn't become a director for decades. And then you have actors who, like Clint Eastwood was an actor, and then boom, he started directing movies, and that's all he does. You don't see that with critics. Uh, Not since the 60s, really. Like,
1: Truffaut, Godard... Those guys, <laughs> you guys should go watch um, Roger Ebert's one movie.
0: It's <laughs> it's something. a it's a ride. But like, why couldn't someone as brilliant of a thinker like Roger Ebert do much more other than his one film that he co-wrote?
1: Well, I think there, I, I think essentially we didn't start out as critics. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we started doing because we we loved the genre so much. But like you and I have been working in the film industry far longer than we have been critics
0: I just love movies and so it's bookending I just ending. like to be in all aspects I like to have my toes in all the waters <laughs> your fingers in all the the filmmaker pies including John's <laughs> John Waters oh you <laughs> got the turn of the phrase <laughs> I was like Praise. which John is, yeah it. I got it pink flamingos that's good anyways Kelly who would you give your golden sword award to she
1: a blessing from the Lord God be praised <laughs>
0: The Golden Sword. Who? Actually you wouldn't give it to a person. Or what?
1: You would give it to a thing. Could be a person though. I give it no, I give it to I give it to people. Okay. I give it to things. I give it to moments. Uh, I, I'm gonna give it to Julia Roberts. Nice. I, I actually I'm gonna give it to Kiki Harrison, her character. Ke because i i think i think julie roberts deserves it for everything she did for kiki but kiki has been putting up with everybody's nonsense for such a long time and i think she she has restrained herself from killing any of them which is amazing so if there's anybody i'm going to trust to use the sword only in its most dire of like needs and moments it's going to be kiki
0: i like it <laughs> Um, My golden sword is going to Christopher Walken's hair.
1: I almost said that. I seriously <laughs> almost said that because he looks good. Christopher, <laughs> you never see Christopher Walken with long hair, but he he looks, he's good. He looks really. Also, he, he dances good. He at dances. one point in time in this movie, and like any time you get to see Christopher Walken dance, do you want to go ahead? Go ahead, do it. Do what? The the reference to Christopher Walken. Being in in the Fat Boy Slim video in the article.
0: Oh, I wasn't gonna say that, but you should tell him about no, that. No, you should tell him about it. No, I can't. You showed it to me. I can't remember like the details, but like, um, what is there? I got to get the actual line. Like, it's a Fat Boy Slim reference, and he does. It's not that he does the worm. Okay. Okay, I got it. Okay. I got it. Okay, guys, <laughs> this was the most brilliant headline I've ever read. So first of all. A primer Yeah There's a Fatboy Slim song Um, I should probably know What the song is I'm gonna play it For you right now You're gonna be like Oh yeah that song Um, Weapon of Choice Is the song Weapon of Choice choice. So here's the song Good, Good groove And it's that, this is the song, you can YouTube it right now. That's where Christopher Walken dances in it, but then he flies in
1: it. Yeah, okay. Also directed, this music video is directed by Spike Jones, one of our favorite directors. But this, I feel like this drop right here...
0: Is the drop that we heard on VH1, like, every day between commercials. For sure. you just know this drop. Um, And so... Christopher Walken was in that music video. They announced a few weeks ago that he was cast in Dune 2, right? So the headline is, Christopher Walken cast in Dune Part 2, just as Fatboy Slim prophesized. And then the sub-headline is, song lyrics from that song that says, Walk without rhythm and it won't attract the worm.
1: Which, if you've seen Dune, you have That's to walk we- in this particular way so that the, like, giant worms from Dune don't eat you. Like, what
0: reefer was someone smoking at Rolling Stone for them to figure out that golden connection? Like,
1: yeah, you, you see, like, their brains all working normally, and then one person's, like, all the geometry changes <laughs> just to make these connections. It's just like... <laughs> and it... There it is! <laughs> I, I can retire now. It's just brilliant. Anyway,
0: so he dances in this movie and, and, and I want to say about Christopher Walken. Mm, just great his, dancer. In his look in this movie is like, he's got this kind of sexiness to him. Yeah, I, he I does. I don't know what it is. Cause he was in Blast from the Past four years prior to this. And he looked they made him look extra crusty in that movie because he was supposed to be older than he looks. Sure. But like this movie, like, I don't know.
1: He looks kind of spry to me. I know. He he not only looks spry, but he looks He's got kind of a combination, I, I spend half the year surfing, and the other yeah. half going to the Met Gala, yeah. but not caring really about either of them, look. Yeah. It's really, it's like I want I want to hang out with that Christopher Walken mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Walken, who is usually seen at the rom-com <laughs> Left field there, but... <laughs> Would you give this movie one? If I must. <laughs> if
0: you must. Uh, I'm trying to like look through all the crafts, like uh, like production design, no, costume design, no, hair and makeup, no,
1: locations,
0: editing, no, um,
1: Seth Greens. I will say, see that it's like the Greens. Yeah. Okay. See, I can do double entendres too. I will say,
0: I, I don't have a formal Oscar right now, but there's. <laughs> you have to. I know. This is the time. I'm going to get there. Billy Crystal, there aren't enough Billy Crystal movies. That's true. In general. Uh-huh. We got City Slickers. Got, Which is good. We got When Harry Met Sally, We got Analyze This and That. But this is one of those movies where. Oh, uh, mm,
1: uh, wh- I can do this. Okay. Best Billy Crystal. you you think that okay so we've already seen we've already got one harry met sally out of our our system sure and what if we watched like randomly the princess bride this year
0: still best best crystal i I think this is a better crystal than that crystal
1: wow that's one of the best crystals though well i know i know it's not even the dark crystal I, I,
0: (laughs) i like that crystal um but i don't think that's I don't think that's the element to Princess Bride, you know? And so I think without Billy Crystal in
1: this movie, you would really have nothing. that's uh, true. Um yeah, he kind of is a tent pole. Yeah. You know. Um So Best Crystal. Okay, I'm I don't here, help me figure out what this award is, because I'm giving it to Julia Roberts. I not only did I give Kiki the sword, but I'm giving it to Julia Roberts as Someone who did the most with the material that they could. In fact, they, they were better than the material. So I might give it best shining star to Julia Roberts because what she does is, I feel like this is an
0: award Edmund McMahon would give out. Like, what does that mean? Like well, best shining star, like good for you,
1: Tatiana, Ollie. Like, so, so it kind of like, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like, you see a star in the sky, right? Uh-huh. And, Oftentimes, like it's it's hard to just see one star shining. You just see a bunch of stars, kind of existing in the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. But then you see that one that has a glimmer, and it like just shines and it casts out the darkness around it just a little bit more. It has a twinkle to it. I feel like she does that to this script. She's like, "Don't don't worry about the rest of the movie for a second. Just take a look at me. I'm shining and twinkling, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to wish upon me right now." <laughs> Movie star, gonna movie
0: star. Yeah, and Julia exactly. Roberts is the eponymous movie star, which Notting Hill already knew. And this movie just kept going with what Notting Hill had thrown down.
1: Yeah, the craziest turn would be if Julia Roberts at the end of this movie she had always wanted to be an actress, but her sister wasn't. She had to be, you know, the the assistant. But you know what? Now she's gonna be in movies with John Cusack. <laughs> that would if they really wanted to capitalize on the bad writing Go in this movie, it. they could have
0: done that. Um, well, speaking of Julia Roberts, tell me who would you fall in love with?
1: Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I've
0: loved you from the first second I met you.
1: But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, and love, and love you. I know. Julie Roberts. <laughs> it's really easy. She is nice and very beautiful and she has a bunch of patience, which is always nice to have in somebody in a relationship. And it does seem like she's a she's a little bit moony for John Cusack and I don't understand why, but right.
0: but great. There's a part in this movie where John Cusack fantasizes about shooting Catherine Zeta Jones to death. And that just kind of disqualifies him from being loved <laughs> by okay. me. So I would love him except for that fantasy. I'm like, I get what you're trying to do
1: humor wise, but it feels a little much. It it did feel much. I I have to say, though, I did laugh at it. Like, because it, it was, that's not what I was expecting him to do. Right. I was, I don't know what I was expecting him to do, but it was so graphic and so <laughs> quick that I, it really got a chuckle out of me and that surprised me.
0: Yeah, but. I think you got to admit, though, it was still a cheap joke. Yeah, I, I feel like they could have. That was like a McChicken joke. Like, it was good, but man, it was pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, it was. You're right. And then you felt a little bad after and maybe you had to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, no, no, you're right. It was like eating at McDonald's <laughs> where I was like, I, I, yeah, OK, that satisfied an itch, but it's also going to keep itching later. Yeah,
0: so not junk.
1: <laughs> when was the last time you ate at McDonald's? um
0: still going on several years i've been in a mcdonald's because pregnant wife was walking by and we had to go to the bathroom now so i was in a little while ago but yeah it's been 10 years keep it up yeah keep up the good work my friend you know no one in russia will ever have mcdonald's ever again
1: oh yeah that's true
0: <laughs> mcdonald's is oot, so good for them um let's go with larry king <laughs> serious <laughs> no okay but i did chuckle a lot at the dream sequence of larry king berating gwen and june C- cusack is like yes larry king ruin her yeah, life that was pretty good. That was, that, good that
1: was a little less mcdonald's a little more red robin yeah now this episode brought to you by red robin
0: let's go with uh christopher walken like i said he was really sexy yeah he was I, super I sexy and we could just watch movies all day
1: I, sexy I think a good time yeah you know that he would be a l- like he's a good laugh, but he would be a little bit cynical. Yeah, it's like, after a while, Werner Herzog, the greatest of them. <laughs> he's all. like no, Werner Herzog. He's he's never serious enough for me. Too
0: mainstream.
1: <laughs> all right, Julia Roberts, Christopher Walken, good picks both. What are we gonna pick to watch next week though? Give me a number between one and one seventy nine. Uh, okay, this movie came out in what year? Two thousand three. 23 then Sorry, no, 21 2001. 21 Sorry. I'm going to pick 21
0: 21 Lucky 21 <laughs> What about 2007 with 27 dresses?
1: Oh, I should have picked twenty. Wait, what's oh. what's 27? Oh!
0: No, that's 21 what's, What was 27 though? Oh, 27 was Romeo plus Juliet oh, I
1: should have picked 27 But that's not
0: happening Okay. We're going with 27 dresses. I've never seen 27 dresses. Please tell me that's from 2007. Uh uh.
1: 17 dresses. That's different. <laughs> that's a prequel made after 2008.
0: 2008. So clever. They, uh, they made it in 2007.
1: Another Katherine Heigl Catherine Heigl I don't have anything against Catherine Heigl we just had dips a lot. between the Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, oh director of the proposal and step up Yep, there you okay. go well, there
0: we go all right kelly i love you so much that it really is a gun in my pocket and i'm not gonna shoot you i'm just gonna hug you
1: oh thank you i love you so much that i grew this christopher walken hair so that you could <laughs> tussle it whenever you felt the need uh, <laughs> and this is where we will say goodbye Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu Thank you for listening to our review Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe See you next week on The Gentleman's Guide To rom Catherine Zeta-Jones She dips beneath the lasers Oh, she has entrapped me and Sean Curry.